Welcome to Roots and Graffiti Season 2, a short chat diving into the happenings of Jasper County, Indiana. Episode topics range from project announcements to conversations about rule issues. Hosted by the Jasper Newton Foundation and the Jasper County Economic Development Organization, together we explore and break down what's happening here in Jasper County. On today's episode, we're joined by Reen Bontrager, Jasper County Council President, and Kendall Culp, Jasper County Board of Commissioners President, to talk about what's happening in Jasper County. We take a look at uh, the state of county government, the role of the different boards and commissions within county government, projects and challenges we faced as a community over the last three or four years, and how the county has embraced those challenges and used them to grow. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to talk to Kendall and Reen, and uh, let us know what you guys think. Welcome to Roots and Graffiti. Okay, so in Indiana, there are uh, the executive branch of county government, or is the county commissioners. In most all cases, there are three commissioners that make up that executive branch in county government. I serve as uh, president of the county commissioners and have been in that role for uh, several years. Um, and I like to tell people that we are responsible for the physical and fiscal assets of, of the county. And so structures, things that people can relate to, the county courthouse, our road, our drainage, um, it, you know, the annexes, the jail, those physical buildings, we're responsible for maintaining those. And as far as the fiscal assets or the, the dollar, so our investments, any money that we have in, in CDs or that are invested while the county council is responsible for the finances and the budgets and that sort of thing, we're responsible to overseeing the, uh, the investment of the county resources. We, we spend those dollars every, every month. Um, we review claims. So again, our job is kind of a checks and balances on the dollars that are spent while the council appropriates those dollars and allows those to be spent by budgeting them. Then we actually review each transaction, each claim, each item that is purchased payroll. We oversee these, the payroll as well and approve those uh, every year. Also, the commissioners have a legislative role as well. So any really most any non-financial role that the, the commissioners may be responsible for as far as adopting ordinances, for example. So zoning ordinances are a good example, but a unified development ordinance when the, which contains the comprehensive plan. Those are things that are approved by the commissioners. If someone comes in and requests a zoning change, for example, um, a variance of some sort, then those will be um, recommendations from the plan commission that will come back to the commissioners for approval. Um, in, in most all cases, the, the commissioners operate or oversee the operations of the county highway department. So anytime there's funding to come in for road improvement in our county, the way we do that is we divide those road funds up by our districts that, that uh, we, we live in and, and represent. And then we prioritize those needs, whether again, whether it's a road resurfacing or road maintenance of some sort, um, and we oversee that. So that's a big part of what we do is, is work at the, uh, at the county highway department as well. So um, we do have a lot of facilities, a lot of physical locations in county government, Jasper County with again, our annexes, uh, health department, courthouse, highway department, jail, community corrections, animal control, all those different facilities. We have um, a budget for those to maintain those, whether it's structural issues or just maintenance issues or roofs or H HVAC. 
any time that there's repair work done, that comes before the commissioners. And that's somehow a part-time job, right? That's not a full-time Well, that's job. what they tell us, yes. <laughs> As Kendall mentioned, two legislative bodies, they're the executives. And I had it also uh, put to me that the, the commissioners set the policies and initiate contracts. Mm -hmm. The council, which uh, I'm Reen Bontrager, president of the county council, have been on the council since 09 and president for the last five or six years. It's kind of all loaded together now. <laughs> so we appropriate the funding, but we typically don't initiate any kind of policy. Typically we coordinate with the commissioners, try to support what they're doing. The quote veto power that the council would have would be if we chose not to fund something that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really, one thing that I want our citizens to know in Jasper County, while we don't see everything I die with the commissioners, we have a great working relationship with them and, and Kendall and I in particular. But the council, which is seven members, four districts, three at large, work to appropriate the money that comes in, the tax money, set the levies. We uh, set the budget, salaries, and work on dealing with those, you know, those general uh, appropriation spending policies that, that typically, though, we work with the commissioners on. We don't want to yeah. work independent and go our own direction. And, and I've always been, a, I learned from Ron Sipkema, who was a previous council president, to try to make sure that the council does council business. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the same concerns as the commissioners. But we also want, don't want to try to do their job. We want to work in conjunction with them. And so I want to thank Kendall a lot because he, he keeps the council informed when there's policies or initiatives coming down the pipe. So that way the council can kind of work behind the scenes to get you know on the same page with that. Whether it was the annex building, the old bank, we had a commissioner or a councilman work with the commissioners, uh, Andy Andre, who had building experience, helped to coordinate that renovation project. And we've had many other projects where we cooperate together on. And, uh, you know, the commissioners submit a budget to us, but we talk about it beforehand before we get to that point. Because spending and using our money wisely, we have that in common for sure. Kendall and I are very concerned and passionate about making sure that we're spending our citizens' taxpayer dollars in a wise way. So I think there's a lot to be said for that, too, because it's not like that in every county. And you can go really close and see an example of it without naming any of them, where a council and a group of commissioners don't get along, and it creates a lot of tension and, in a lot of cases, chaos for county government. Did you guys, did that was that natural for you guys, or was there sort of an, an effort going in to say we want to be on you know we want to communicate and we may not always be on the same page but we're going to communicate to try to be on the same page because from the economic development side and i brag about this a lot is it's really easy for for me to work with the county because it it's really easy for you guys are communicating and i can just get with a group of you and and pretty much be on the same page really really quickly it creates a lot of certainty for us to try to work with new companies or existing companies and understand what the expectations are going to be so that's really important from from our side, from the business development side. It, and I, I thought it would be interesting to know if, if that was something that was just sort of there naturally or if you guys made a sort of an effort to, to have that level of communication going in. Well, I would say there's it's been intentional. I mean, I've known Kendall for a long time before I got into county government. I started in business 35 years ago, so I've known that. I've done projects for them. And then I started into into public service as Marion Township Advisory Board started learning. Mm -hmm. That was an eye-opening experience. And then got into the council. And yeah, observing some other other counties that we're aware of that, that struggle with, you know, interacting. I, I just feel like 
it's important to work together. We have the same common goals. And, and I think, like I said, it's important that the council tries to do council business. When we do see things that, that the commissioners need to know, we certainly pass it through to them. We don't try to do an end run around them, though, and try to do their job. It, it makes it redundant. And I think when we know our, our role as part of the same team, the overall Jasper County team, I think it makes for a much better, smoother interaction because really, and that's the other thing I kind of learned too, as, as much as people like to see change, I feel like county government, change needs to be deliberate and thought out, not a lot of ups and downs and, and let's try this and then try that. People don't like a lot of changes in their finances when it comes to taxes. So it's important to kind of, I think, play a consistent game plan, and, and I think we have that handle. And like I said, he's reached out to us and is very thoughtful in regards to that. So I'd agree certainly with Rain, and I would say it, it hasn't always been as probably as good as it is now. I mean, we have an excellent rapport relationship with the council. We understand our roles. Um, I think it's important to realize that the budget that the, the commissioners have a budget they present as well to the council. It's, it's, it's the largest budget because we have all of the health benefits or all of the employee benefits are in the commissioner's budget. So we have to present our budget to the council just like any other department, and they can ask us any questions. I mean, there it, it's really a good checks and balance. And and Reed's right. I mean, they 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 have the veto power because they control the the dollars. Um, what I've seen is if there's an, ever an issue, it's usually because somewhere there's been a lack of communication. And so I think we're both very deliberate. Uh, we meet multiple times a year, two of us do, sometimes with the auditor to review review policies, review finances, direction of the county, issues we're facing. So we have, a, as leaders of our respective boards, that we have an understanding of where we're at, where we want to go to, how we, how we need to get there, and then we go back and speak to our respective groups. I try to, I, I'm better than I was before, hopefully. I, I try to appear at your meetings and make sure a brief, you know, sometimes when I think I'm going to update the council on that, when I start making a list, it's like, holy cow, you know, this is a long list. Yeah. And it's just that, okay, I know this because I'm working with them. And sometimes you forget you need to pass that information on because if you have an issue and all of a sudden it's very time sensitive, you have to go to the council and this is the first time they've heard about it. You know, I don't, I wouldn't blame them if they push back and say, well, wait a minute, we've got a lot of questions. This is moving a little too fast for us. So it's really good. I've seen other counties and really been years ago, been kind of jealous of other counties because of the relationships they've had. And I knew that was the model that I thought we needed here at Jeff County to be progressive. And if you're in a group of commissioners somewhere at at an association meeting, it's just natural. When I listen to those conversations, they're always talking about their council. Oh, the yeah, council yeah. won't support us. The yeah. council won't fund us. And I'm like, you know what? We don't have that problem here. Yeah. Is like Green says, we may not get together or agree together on every on every issue, but we can discuss those and work through those. And in the position we have, and I'll use our jail for example. You know, when the jail came on, when I became a commissioner, that was pretty much a done deal of who we were going to use. We signed the contract with with the architect. But the former commissioners chose the architect. It's just the timing and the way that worked out. Well, we've had so many issues with our jail. And the council could have easily said, you guys made that decision. You know, you guys, you guys are responsible for this. And we were. But they also realized the fact that we need to change some things going forward. And we really did a lot of background work and, and explore different options. And they were willing to fund those changes. So it wasn't a, this is your fault, figure it out. 
it was we're on the same team and we and we're all working for the taxpayer right we're all looking in the end working for the same people and that's why it's really important to be on the same team did you find that as an opportunity for that communication to get stronger because i know some of those meetings weren't in person and you actually had to pick up the phone because you wouldn't just see each other somewhere out in the community was that i, I realize it's a bit of a hiccup on the front end because it proved to be more connecting i guess i would say yeah i mean of course we always would text or, or call when needed but the, the whole zoom thing has allowed me to attend more commissioner meetings more regularly than I did when I would have to go in person. Mm -hmm. So that's that's probably one benefit that I that I appreciate that I can now kind of do what I need to do for my day job and yet be connected and listen in or or weigh in if I if need be in their meetings. And so that that's probably a the thing that I feel actually more connected to commission meetings than I, I did before. And I totally agree with that as well. And I I zoom into most of the council meetings now when attended in person. I certainly didn't attend all of them. Now, usually a commissioner was there. Usually Commissioner Walsher would attend most of those in person. So now that we're in the Zoom, you know, it, it's kind of transferred that I'll do that. But it seems like we have a lot better continuity. Um, and, and there's times I will always call on, on Reen in a commissioner meeting to see if he has any input at all. And he, he does that as well to me. And there's always information that goes back and forth. So. I think a lot of times they'll come, like Reen said, if, it, if it's a vendor or policy issue, we're discussing it. Well, if the council isn't there, or if the council's not reading their minutes, they're really unaware of that. So then you're looking at, at multiple presentations by that company, for example, because then they'll have to go to the council for funding. Well, by, by Reen already seeing what, that that took place at a commissioner meeting, I think it flows better. You can have some pre-discussions with your fellow councilmen, and we just get things done. And it just seems like that has been really a, a positive. Even those, you know, the solar project. There's a lot of timing, permits, presentations, abatements. That's one of the other things the council works with is tax abatements to help economic development. And Zoom has helped to streamline out. And even the uh, utility infrastructure upgrade in, at Demont. There's a lot of timing that had to. Mm -hmm be pulled together. Stephen did a great job coordinating with all of us and using Zoom and other other types of communication to get all that done. You, I don't know what you had five or six different entities you were working with there. That's one thing I think we agree on that we want growth in our county, but we want it to be measured and thought out, not just, you know, uncontrolled and and unplanned. And and that's one of the things that I appreciate working with commissioners on, Dick and Jack, uh, Jim as well. And uh, and Jack at the highway, of course. Um, and the councilmen that we have on board now, I mean, I, I think it's a good team, and I appreciate the previous one. The councilman we had, Derek Fries and Andy Andre, learned a lot from them. And and that's one thing that I, I will say, too, getting on the council, a little maybe a little different than the commissioner, is you know, you're one vote of seven. You know, you're not going to change the world. Yeah. But it's important to get on board, bring what you can to the table, weigh in your point of view. And I, and I think we have a good diverse group of, of uh, personalities and economic experience, life experience on the council now, which helps to, I think, broaden our, our base a little bit. Did you see any more connection with taxpayers with Zoom calls being available, like at all? Any Anybody else showing up to meetings? I, I feel like our attendance has probably been about the same. About the same. And, I, and I invite people to come all the time. <laughs> Tuesday nights at seven o'clock doesn't seem to be a prime time for people. So, um, but but I do like it when people weigh in, and sometimes you know they'll weigh in on social media or whatever, and 
and, and there have been times I've attempted to want to weigh in, but it's like, you know, you can only get a slice, and that causes more trouble than it's worth. Right. That's why I would like people to attend our meetings. And, and sometimes they do when there's a particular subject. Commissioners obviously get probably more attention as they're setting policy, and there's, there's more streams of interest that come into their meetings. But but it's I would always invite people to attend by way of Zoom or come to the to the new meeting room, which is great at the uh, the old youth center, the new Casa Health Department building in Sparrow. It's easier to be connected, and and it's important for people to know how your your money is being spent. And I know they put their trust in the council as they as they vote those people in, but still to see where things go, to recognize that uh, we want to try to put together an accurate budget. So, so we know where your money's going. Let's stick with that for a second. And that I think sometimes, especially in the last few years since I've been in, I've been here in, in the county, I feel like what we get most often from residents is that um, they typically aren't engaged until there's something that upsets them. If, whether it's uh, their, their taxes went up or there's a particular project they're not very happy about, whatever it is, it could be a zoning issue. We see it on zoning just as much as we do with taxes and things like that. From an elected official standpoint, how do how do you guys view that? How does that make you guys feel? How do you see ways that we address that going forward? Because I think ultimately what we want are residents and citizens that are more engaged. So we, we talk about process and no, nothing's easier. If everyone's up to speed on what's going on, process is easier most times. Um, and when things get slowed down, it's because people are typically, they don't, they don't understand, they don't know, they're upset, things like that. And so how do we get ahead of that? And what can we, is there, are there things we could be doing better as a county? And that doesn't necessarily just mean county government. Maybe it's our county residents as well or, or something, since we're all county residents sitting here in the room. Well, I'll start by by saying I primarily agree with that. However, sometimes you think people aren't engaged, they're not aware, and I think they're watching closer than you think sometimes. They, they don't always, they don't yeah. always speak up. They do speak up when something yeah. something controversial many times comes up or something that you know that, that maybe they don't agree with. But I, but I think people have have a pretty close understanding, whether it's directly or through someone else or through the coffee shop. But but I think by and large, people elect people that they think will do a good job of representing them, so they don't necessarily have to be engaged or kept up to speed on everything that's going on. And, and I take that, I take that very humbly. I mean, I, I accept that is, is we are electing you to represent us as your as the commissioner to make decisions that's best for the county, both present and in the future, because we, you know, maybe they say they think that you represent their viewpoint or you have the same philosophies. I think, I think those things are important. There's, there's a lot of trust, obviously, in, in public service between you know, the elected official and the, and the electorate or the citizens of the county. But no, I, th- I think when the chips are down, people, sometimes I'm really surprised that people yeah. are really watching closer than what, what you think. And, and, you know, anytime we make a decision, it's in a public setting, right? So commissioners, there's three commissioners. So if there's two of you meeting, it has to be in a public meeting. Mm-hmm. I can't say to another commissioner, let's go out and have lunch today and talk about county business. That's not allowed. You can't do that. So, so you're, you're kind of under a microscope, everything you do, and that's, and that's perfectly fine. There's a difference than an executive like the governor, like a mayor. There's one individual there, yeah. right? And so they get to make those decisions probably with the support of a council or another board supporting them. But it's a lot different when you have three executives versus one. 
because you really need to collaborate, but you can't do that as easily if there's multiple of you yeah. than if there's just one. Yeah. I will say, I like, it might be more cumbersome to slow things down, but I like the fact that we have three commissioners opposed to just a single county executive because I see how much they do. And, and that would be a lot for one guy to, yeah. to be dealing with, I think, anyway. Council, the same way. I think people have put trust in us to be wise with, with their money. Typically, the old adage goes, you know, nobody thanks you when a rate goes down. Yeah, yeah. But if it goes up a few cents, you'll hear about it. So, <laughs> so we do try to keep it consistent, you know, so people can bank and look ahead to know what their taxes are going to be. And we really try to keep it, um, like I said, try to keep within our means as much as possible and, and keep from having these wild changes from one year to the next. Because that, that causes ripple effects in the rest of county government in their funds and how things get funded and what they count on the various departments. I think consistency is important to have. From my point of view, that's just as important from a resident's vantage point as it is a business's vantage point, right? Businesses, more than anything, they need certainty. And if if taxes are jumping one year and then plummeting the next and jumping the next year and plummeting the next, that's really hard for a business to plan. Having that sort of certainty makes us a real, just on just from that from that point alone makes us very business friendly. Businesses who are investing in our community can know what to expect, and we can prove that by pulling tax records, by looking at our tax rates year over year, because all of that's filed with the state. So we can pull that really easily and show historically for three or four years without any real effort. And so businesses look at that, and that's actually something we use as a marketing point quite a bit of just certainty and, and letting them understand that we have a stable tax climate as a, as a county. Do you have regular interactions with constituents, like some serious business coming through, coming down the pipeline? Do you ever reach out? Do you reach out or wait to be reached out to to say, hey, what do you think about this? I know on the council, there are that's a good mix of our personalities. And some of them, uh, some of the members will reach out mm -hmm. and love to poll their people and mm -hmm. see what's going on. I suppose I do a little bit of vote. I wait to hear from people, but then I'll interact. And like Kendall said, you can't talk with, I kind of split our guys in half when I text or talk, so I'm not having a public yeah. meeting, yeah. an illegal public meeting. So, <laughs> so I try to split how I communicate with them and, and love to get their feedback. And it's interesting here when they'll get feedback either from another commissioner or from constituents mm -hmm. on a particular subject. And I think this day and age, people aren't afraid to express you know, what, what they think and what they want to know in regards to county financing. I do, I do remember before I got on the council, I had... And a lot of your people giving me earfuls of things to look for, you know, it's like the outside perception of what it, they people think that it functions like and actually the way it does are, really, <laughs> are two different things. This is not, you know, like Chicago politics yeah. watching the news or whatever. It's, it's more uh, laid back and genuine than that, you know. It's you don't not have the to, mob. It's not <laughs> the mob. Are you serious? No. Okay. All right. Well, Check. you know, sometimes if you read <laughs> Facebook, you wouldn't know that, oh, right? I, yeah. But, but it is. What's what's nice is, especially if you go to a couple of meetings or if you just you get engaged on a particular project or something, is that it is really easy to see, especially with how well run our our county government is with the council and the commissioners, that there is a clear process, that there is an expectation. You know when the meetings are going to be. You know how they're going to be discussed. And with just a really entry level understanding of who does what in the county then you can get really tied into where, what's going on with the project or what's happening with the budget or taxes and things like that. And it is, for the most part, very clear in terms of what's happening on a local level with our county. And so that's what's nice about being a smaller community is it is really easy to understand 
what the heck is going on, whether it's controversial or it isn't. Yeah, I guess, know. and I suppose that's the one quality that makes our meetings not all that exciting. I try not to have any drama. <laughs> I don't like I don't like people getting ambushed in meetings. I don't like you know sideswiping somebody or bopping a surprise on someone. I'd rather it be a, a place where people can fairly express their opinion, get weigh the pros and cons, and make a decision. And and but that's not exciting. Well, I, but I see that, and so as a person who does a lot of communicating and a lot of, we call this, trying to get everybody on the same team all the time. I appreciate that. I went to a zoning board meeting where I felt like the, the, the president of that board ran the meeting in a very fair way where all voices were given an opportunity to speak. And if you were speaking too long, thank you. You've talked your time. Now it's time for someone else. And so I appreciate those, even when there's a little something that bubbles up, but just making sure that the, all, the, all the voices have a chance to speak. Right. So I have seen that happen. Uh, and any number of meetings, so I know I appreciate that. And that's important. That's important at any level of government, in my mind. Is is you you've got to be open to the people that you represent, right? So they have a right. In my mind, they have a right to be heard. And you know, they, now the attorneys will tell you there's time where you don't have to take testimony, but I think that's always obviously a good practice. Mm -hmm. And back to what Reen made a comment about single county executive. There's been legislation introduced in Indiana to take the three commissioners to one because you're dealing with a committee versus one. But I think you need to look at the way local government was established, county government was established. It was established not to have a dedicated person as your county executive, but to have a group of three, in this case, people that are involved in the community, involved in business, whether whether it's their own business or someone else's, that, that really have a pulse on what's going on in the economy of, of the county. And so that brings a different perspective. Then you bring the council. So the council, they don't rely on their county job for their for their for their income, yeah. right? So they can look at things in a different view in, in my case. And I think that works really well because it opens us up, it gives us different viewpoints, way to look at things. The the other thing is too is county government really was not established to be a high speed, quick decision, move on. It's very deliberate and it's, and it's set up that way for a good reason. There are a number of checks and balances, which inherently makes things move slower sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, from an economic development standpoint, that can be a negative. But I think Stephen would concur when we need to move, we have shown that we can move and we can get multiple entities within county government to get those hearings held and to get those approvals in place so we can react accordingly. Back to your Zoom, I mean, that has allowed people the access to their government, the openness and clarity and transparency, I think, to look inside. And it isn't very exciting a lot of times, really. You know, you have some of these mundane agenda items that have, that just that has to happen. And it isn't, it isn't flashy and it isn't exciting, but it's really important part of what we have to do. And so we wonder why people don't want to come to a meeting. Well, unless there's a big controversial topic, it's kind of like, what in the world are we doing here? And why are you doing this? But that's that's part of it. And that's what keeps us moving forward in the county. Well, I think that less, less controversial meetings is a good sign of good government, right? <laughs> I mean, that's if it's mundane, it means things are happening the way it's supposed to and that there aren't people, you know, up in arms about, Chicago politics being in Jasper County, yeah, um, because that sometimes that is a thing that's being said. So sometimes when there's conflict or confrontation in a meeting, it's because we're there's been something new proposed, mm -hmm. and that's that's a good thing. 
I mean, that means we've got development, we've got activity, we've got people wanting to, to change things or do something differently or look at things in a different fashion or a new business coming to town. And while sure, those can be controversial, that's a sign of growth. I think it's really important. It, it's really easy as a commissioner to get bogged down in the day-to-day, -day, what's, what's on fire today, right? What's the emergency today? What's come at us that we weren't expecting that we've got to solve today? It's easy to get stuck in that and not look till tomorrow, not look at what's going to happen. Where do we need to place this county so long beyond our terms in office, we can see a result and a reward coming back. I'm really fortunate in my case, I've you know, got two kids, both have stayed, one's in Newton County, the other's here in Jasper, so they're both close, family's close. So someone ahead of me helped create a friendly, conducive environment to family, to have job opportunities. I, my motto with, with growth is make a, create an environment that conducive to business development and get out of the way and let it happen. Don't be a roadblock for development with regulations and a lot of excessive rules and, and requirements. So I look to that and I really think, I really think it's not so much what we've done today that people can say that was a good decision today is I hope 15, 20 years down the line, they say, boy, somebody sometime back, that was some good foresight. You have to be very intentional about making those decisions and go in that direction. Otherwise, like I said, you get caught up in the day-to-day -day emergencies and you really don't look long-term. Well, I think what you're talking about there, decisions that are being made now, which will do that, is like with, what the RMC is going to do with the high-speed internet. That's becoming as important utility as gas, water, and electric. Mm -hmm. Got an email the other day in the council said somebody was looking to relocate back this direction. What's our internet like? Well, depends on where you're at in the county right now. So I mean, so that's that's a big thing that we're we're trying to sort out. How do we support their initiative you know they're obviously committed they got electric here to the county here, you know, decades ago and this is kind of the next logical step the shaper station going to be closing down but steven's help and the commissioners going to be able to have the solar to help offset what we're losing there we had some very opinionated discussions about wind and rightly so that kind of has made room for solar to happen and so we're we're hopefully making good decisions moving forward, that will keep Jasper County attractive, be able to draw business in and grow in a way that is you know, responsible. And that's, that's what I like being part of this. You know, there's, there are times you wonder, oh, you know, how long will I, will I keep doing it? But, it? but then I run the question is, do you like being involved in the process? I do. I still do. You know? It takes one good project or one good situation to, to make up for 10 bad ones where it feels kind of crummy sometimes. But when, when a project works and you get to see the benefits of that, it really makes up for all the hard, the hard parts of being in the public side of stuff. Life is just messy. I mean, it's not easy to do, to do any of the good work, to even just to maintain where we are takes work. And it's not, it's not ever easy or the same thing every day. So yeah, the idea that we would have growth that might attract your own children to stay here and raise their families here. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think too, and I, I want to just, I want to give praise to the county because, so when I came to the county in the end of 2017, I was sort of this, this young, you know, full of energy guy out of Cincinnati. My family's originally from Northwest Indiana. And I remember like when I first got here, 
And I was talking about like the need to go fast and being efficient and talking with you know, Mary in planning or Vince, the surveyor about drainage and stuff. Everyone's eyebrows went up really fast. <laughs> you know, everyone was like, all right, what's this guy talking about? It's not always been really easy, but there's been a really good conversation. And to do exactly to your point, Kendall, is that when we've had to do things differently, still, still the way they're supposed to, just differently than what we've been used to doing them, maybe the different parts of the county government have raised their eyebrows and said, I don't know if this is how it works. Um, everyone's been willing to try to do it differently to accommodate the speed of business. And so we've still been able to be deliberate to your point, but to be nimble in a way that allows us to be, flex to be flexible to the speed of business to get stuff done. And I think the Smith Transport Project is a really great example of that. And you know, not everyone may know that, that was a project that that was going to go in, into White County, but I wouldn't say it was a complete lack of flexibility, but there was some inflexibility on a few people's parts there that made Smith come back to the county and say, can you do this in a certain time frame?" And if we had looked at how we did stuff typically, we would have said no. But I think we looked at it from a vantage point of, well, what can we do just a little bit differently that allows us to take what's probably a six or seven month process to get everything approved and done in the normal way? We did that sort of in really condensed amount of time that let them not only get permitted and zoned and all that, but also built in under a year, which is really, you know, it speaks volumes that everyone involved with the drainage board, the surveyor, the planning office for the county, the town of Remington, the, the every, you know, the commissioners and the council. And that's a really good show. We're not, we're still being deliberate, but we're just being flexible to get something done. And I felt like no one has ever really said no in the county to being flexible like that. We've had questions, we've raised our eyebrows a little bit, and that's okay too, um, because it means we, we really evaluated the process. But we've done things in a way that allows us to move quickly when we, we have to, to be able to, to bring investment to the county. I think that's really important for people to know that too. I think Kendall made a good point as well, you touched on it, Stephen, that, and, and Bree as well. I think Remington, Rensselaer, DeMott, Wheatfield, you know, it has leadership in place that we could just kind of get out of the way and mm -hmm. they're doing some things that are trying to improve all the communities, which in general makes the county a, a more attractive place to live, the various amenities and towns and parks, and then when there's bigger projects. And, and I know we're thinking, you know, council-wise with some revitalization areas and getting some sites selected, you know, being now proactive instead of just reacting all the time, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, with commissioners, trying to select some areas that where we would like to direct some some growth make it easier for you to market county and, and get plans in place to, to make use of i-65 and all our interchanges instead of just waiting like kind of like we have yeah in the past so that's kind of exciting to, to be looking forward to so i do think recognizing that there are seasons of life where for a while it was okay and we had made it to a plateau of some kind but now i feel like like if COVID just taught us anything like everything can shift very quickly yeah. to where we have more needs we or the needs we have become more acute and we have an opportunity to kind of move ahead and be flexible and be available to that growth in those areas so that's exciting to be able to be planning for the future on purpose right for, in a few areas that will provide avenues for more growth so i got your email Okay, we'll be hearing from you. I think the closure of the Lipsco plant um, has prompted us to to move faster. Mm. You know that we we had that we had that notice 
Stephen, what was the date when we were notified? September 18th or 19th, I'm, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> 2018. 2018, so here we are, you know, two and a half years, so we're halfway. They gave us five years notice, which was a blessing, really, yeah. to know that we knew our largest taxpayer was going to close shop in five years. Now, when I started as commissioner, that was about 22% of our, of our county assessed value. That's a huge number. They're 17% today. 30% of Kankakee Valley School Corporation's assessed value comes from that one taxpayer. The township, Kankakee Township, 80 to 85% of their budget is funded by one taxpayer. So it's, it's a big deal. So yeah. we knew how important they were to the financial stability of this county. It allowed us to, to have time to, to take a step back and, and swallow hard and say, okay, we, we hear that, now let's start planning. And that's where we put together the, the task, NIPSCO task force, we call it. Stephen, you, you pulled that together. We had a council person. We had a commissioner on that. We had some other county officials. We had community, school, business officials. And really, we're very deliberate in thinking, where, how, how do we need to position our county for growth in the future, knowing we're going to lose this? Now, would we have done that if NIPSCO has said, hadn't said they were going to close? Probably not, at least in that time frame. But they really forced it to do what we need to be doing anyway. So it has to be looking long term, looking in the future. How can we stabilize the, the, the tax base of the county? Among many of the recommendations that came out of that was we have, we think, a real economic development opportunity in, in Jasper County, and that's that's Interstate 65 with the five interchanges mm -hmm. along 65. And we've already worked towards accomplishing one of those at the exit 230, working with DeMott. So you brought that up, Rain, about the number, and I think you said seven. I think that's about right. Different entities that had to coordinate to pass and to do their part into making that a reality to take those utilities. and. There's a ton of work behind the scenes that people don't see. You know, we, we about lost that deal. And, and we, we said, we're not going to lose that deal. And we went back and we negotiated some more because we know that, that isn't a tomorrow decision. That's a long-term decision for the benefit of the county. I guess I always look for ways to take challenges or negatives and turn them into po opportunities or positives. And I think the Schaefer closing has turned out to be one of those things that we've, that that's not a positive that they're closing, but it's making us take a hard look at, at our future, and, and we're doing that. I think that's a good thing. Well, that was that was one particular issue where I would say among the the general population, there was a lot of disbelief that that was actually going to happen. Yeah, we could we had to operate under the assumption that it was going to happen, and so whether it did or didn't, we had to operate as if it was and take it very seriously, and and move forward as as we have. And uh, Stephen was very instrumental in helping us to. Recognize, no, it's the real deal. And the conversations you had with Nipsco leadership kind of underscored that. And so it was like, okay, well, you got to deal with what you deal with, use our assets to the best of our ability, develop it. What do we have to offer? Move forward. And uh, turns out we have, we do have quite a, a lot to offer in regards to proximity to the grid that they saw, you know, yep. a good opportunity to redevelop. And, and also, I think probably from their perspective, they're trying to get ahead of federal government mandates that are going to force people. So many times it's better to make a choice ahead of time than be forced after the fact. So we happen to you know, be in that process to work with them. I think Schaefer's a good example. 
of a decision that's so large or that the magnitude is so impactful that it's hard to really comprehend that it's happening. And I think to a normal resident who has spent most of their life living in Jasper County, who just expects to see Schaefer in the, the stacks up there, you can see those from all over the place, right? You can be on 65 and roll and you can see the, you can see Schaefer and that it is such a, its presence has been felt in our county for so long that I think for so many people, it was really hard to comprehend that that wouldn't continue to exist because it's been here since the early 70s. And there's probably a lot of people who just thought that was always going to be part of Jasper County. One thing that our county government really did a, did a really great job of is taking it serious when everyone thought it wasn't serious. I was in the county for like three weeks when I went with Kendall and I think Commissioner Wallstra was with us. We went up and sat in um, the president of Nipsco's office in Merrillville on a Tuesday or Wednesday night talking about their decisions and why they made those decisions. And I think our goal going in had been to maybe persuade them to think otherwise. Because when I was hired at that point, they were shutting down two of the coal-fired generators. They hadn't made the announcement to close all of them. And we still thought there was a chance to change their mind. And I think we left that meeting understanding that they were going to do that no matter what. Um, and that was when it was time to really start thinking. And I, I remember that night very well because I, I don't think Kendall meant to say it the way he did. But we were driving back from Merrillville and he said, you know, you, you better have an answer for NIPSCO or else. <laughs> well, we, well, we did, right? And, and it's been a number of things. I think. I meant every word of it. I took that really seriously. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it is a combination of being prepared to take advantage of 65 because there aren't a lot of communities that have five interchanges, but also taking advantage of the other resources we already had in the transmission line and having good process to get the first phase of Dunn's Bridge done really effectively, very efficiently. That The first phase by itself is $300 million and it's 265 megawatts of solar. That'll be the largest solar project in the Midwest, just phase one as built. And and so that that kind of investment in the same township where Schaefer is, is really important because it's the only township in the county where we can get almost a dollar for dollar replacement value of the assessed value we're losing from Schaefer. And I don't think everyone understands how important that is. One of the things I think we've done a really good job of is not saying, not being content with Dunn's Bridge and saying, well, we've got this investment, we can, we were done. We did, we did, we had to, because that's the kind of thinking, and I don't think anyone did it deliberate, um, but that kind of thinking is kind of what got us in the position with Schaefer in the first place, is not being prepared for what happens, because just in the same way, Eventually, whether it's 30 years, 50 years, or however long it is, Dunn's Bridge will no longer be an efficient way to produce power. And we'll have to, as a county, have to have an alternative for that. And so now is our time to start preparing for the alternative. And I think getting utilities to interchanges, exit 230 is one of them. And there's four more we need to continue to develop. That provides us an opportunity to really diversify our assessed value, our tax base in the county, and be prepared for when... You know, Dunn's Bridge is no longer an efficient way to produce power, and that'll have to be phased out of our community. Well, that, that's an interesting point, too, because development, increasing your, your AV in the county is how you get more revenue. You can't just raise taxes yeah. on the local level and, and get more money. The State Department of Local Government Finance pretty much tells you how much you can collect. You can collect your max levy, but that's it. And so you can't just, you know, some people say, well, you know, why can't you be like Carmel or Lebanon and just raise taxes and build up because you can't yeah it's not so how it works that's not how it works yeah. so development has to happen so that we can mm -hmm. increase that AV so, AV so we can then be able to have that increase naturally over time and so that's why some people think oh well 
do that in arbitrarily. Well, no, we can't. There's rules against it, right? Yeah. That's right. I think, too, that we've got a lot of really good success stories with business and industry in, in the county. And a lot of times we overlook those. And, and I like to really highlight those. And one of them, I mean, it, it, people may or may not know, Jasper County is the number one agriculture producing county in Indiana. That's a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. I'm obviously involved in that agricultural industry as a local farmer. So that's, that is important. We're, besides that, we're the number one farm producing county. So what's that mean? Well, where does, what does corn use for? Well, historically, it was always livestock feed was the number one use. 1999, what happened? Well, before I was a commissioner, but the Boss Dairy, the Boss family moves into Indiana and buys property. Fair Oaks settled on the west side of the interstate. Boss came in on the east side. And we went from a, basically, you know, overnight, we went from a county with two small family dairies one in the extreme southwest part of the county and one in the northwest part of the county into now the largest county, the largest number of dairy cows of any county in Indiana. I mean, it's just amazing that just happened overnight. Why did they come here? Well, I mean, that's a question for them. Number one, feed source, right? We're the number one corn producing county. They eat a lot of corn silage and grain, a lot of roughages, a lot of hay is needed. They bedded with sand. So the part of the county they settled in and purchased in, there was a lot of sand available. So some natural resources in that case is what they needed. So they moved in. What happened a few years later? A group of local influencers thought this would be a good place for an ethanol plant to produce fuel. So we, 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 we built the first modern age ethanol plant in Indiana. Only new energy in South Bend was the only existing ethanol plant and it was an older technology. Here, where, what better place to locate than, than the hotbed for corn production in Indiana? And so, so that was attracted in. Now, about half of the corn produced in Indiana goes for ethanol, goes to fuel, and it's just amazing. But the part that I'm most proud of is that our, in this case, our farmers were able to shift and maybe produce things differently or raise different commodities that now we have a new source dairy needs. They need straw for bedding, right? They need corn silage for roughage to feed their animals. And so we did things differently. We had, we had farmers that got into haymaking and bought that kind of equipment so they could transition. That bought silage making equipment or trucks to haul it with. Uh, that bought uh, manure handling equipment to take care of that product. And that wouldn't have happened um, if it wasn't for the fact that we that we attracted another business, which is, which is an agricultural business. So we go from a lot of corn and soybeans produced here to now a lot of corn being produced and utilized here. And that's really important, I think, as we look forward. And so we just have that entrepreneurial spirit in Jasper County with our citizens that really makes this kind of, to me, a, a special place to live. And it's not a no, we don't want you. It's how can we adapt and and yeah. and be a part of this? And and let's face it, there's a financial reward if we can do that. And and you have to be open to that. And I think our citizens really do a good job. Really diverse. We're really diverse. We grow a lot of good things, including humans. Yeah. Uh, we make a lot of things. We build things. We truck things. We put things on trains. Like we. I mean, there's a lot that happens. The, the question always is like, you could be doing. Reem, you could just do your job. And Kendall, you could just farm, but you don't yeah. just do that. Like you, you're invested in the community in a, in a bigger way than that, and you care. So the question is, 
why do you care? It's That's harder. It's more work. I care because I believe to be a good citizen, you have to look to the interests of others, not only yourself. And I have been blessed by having a lot of good customers and friends in this community. And I want this opportunity to come up to serve in this way that I want to try to offer what I can to make the conditions living here as much as possible for folks to live here to prosper. I guess I want I want people to enjoy the kind of quality and freedom that I've had here in Jasper County as I have. I, I want that for everybody. Yeah. That they can pursue what they want, and so I, I take it as Kendall mentioned earlier, humility and honor to be able to serve in this way. I'm happy to kind of serve behind the scenes. Kendall is more the figurehead, which I'm happy to stand beside him in that way. But there's a lot of it, it opened my eyes also as to how much effort it takes from a lot of good people who work for the county to make it work. When I look around and I see other communities, you can see the news, you can not look too far. We have a wonderful place to live. And and I and, and every time I encounter some you know, I do shirts and stuff, people know that. And so a lot of the, the kids that I used to do stuff for, they're now 30-ish. <clears throat> moving back to Rensselaer or Jasper County to raise their kid. And I go out of my way to thank them over and again. Thank you for coming back here. Thank you for bringing your influence here. Thank you for bringing the energy it's going to take to uh, make us viable and continue our legacy of, of quality of life going forward. And that's like with the Appleseed Childhood Education Initiative. There's a lot of young families working that. That's a need that we have. Yeah. And you know what you do at the foundation, Stephen here. You know, Stephen doesn't know it, but I would love to just shackle his leg here and never leave Jasper County for a because he reminds me of my own son, my own kids. And Kendall as well, that, that's the kind of energy that we need. We need the old guard like us, or older, we're not old yet, I guess, <laughs> but um, or maybe a little more seasoned. But it's good to see that coming back here, because I know for the longest time, people, you know, when they got out of high school, they just wanted to leave, go somewhere more exciting. Well, you can go have, have your excitement, but when you want stability and good place, good quality of life to live, this is the place to be. And there's no no place I'd rather live. And I'm grateful that I've been able to lend what little common sense I have to the process. And look forward to doing that for a while yet. And um, I love rubbing shoulders with guys like Kendall and the other commissioners and councilmen, you guys here, and everybody who works on behalf of you know our citizens. And, and that's you know awesome to be able to do. So that's why. Yeah. Well, yeah. I certainly don't know that I can top that. That was good, Ray. But Ray did say a word that that is stuck with me and that's community mm -hmm. and and that's what we are and when i became a commissioner there was a divide that's a whole lot worse than what it is today and we were divided into different communities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm like if, if we're going to be successful as a county the county is the community yeah. and i've always approached it that way because we could be elected from districts we could be elected at large the fact is once we're making decisions we're making decisions for jasper county it's not just for a particular part of the county. Community has always been really, I've been passionate about that. But we have to be open, we have to be open to change and new ideas, new way to think. And so we have been here. And so that's really, that was inviting to me, I guess. I, I could see, I mean, I came up, I served on our school board for, for two terms. And I thought, you know, that was impactful. But well, if you want to impact more people, I thought this, this became an opportunity. This looked like a place that I could 
that I could serve and, and to give back because we're, we're, I mean, our family is a strong community supporter. We, we like to think we are. Um, and so how can I do that? And, you know, public service is, is, is about commitment, but it's a, it's a lot about giving. Um, because none of us, I mean, certainly in our roles, um, don't do it, don't do it for the compensation. And we have some really tremendous employees in Jasper County government, whether it's in law enforcement, whether it's the people that plow the snow, whether it's the ones that open up the courthouse and service, they're dedicated and, and, and they do it to make a living, but they're not getting rich doing that either. Um, so it, it is about, it is about public service. One of the big things that's changed with me is I didn't used to think quality of life were decisions that needed to be made by government leaders. I didn't think that was government's role. I don't know that that's changed or just my viewpoint has changed, but I, I think what drove that home with me was when our, when our local hospital, county hospital was kind of spiraling downward. And there's a, there's a case where the commissioners appointed the hospital board and that was the end of our involvement. All the financing, everything was up to them. We, we had like 11, 12 medical doctors just in Rensselaer yeah. that would help service that hospital. And we got down to four, maybe three. And, and the CEO of the hospital told me, they said, we are recruiting as hard as we can young doctors to move into this community and to serve this community. And if we're fortunate enough to get one that will come in for a tour and an interview and they like the facility, then they say, I've got a spouse back home. I need to bring the spouse in and look because we're going to move into this community. Absolutely. And he said more times than not, they would bring the spouse in and say, where's the entertainment opportunities? Where's the retail? Where's the green space? You know, where's the parks? And they're like, oh, you could go 50 miles north or 50 miles south. Well, let's just live there. And by the way, are there nicer medical facilities there? Right. And so we lose the doctor too. See, yeah. we lose that potential. And so that's when what really drove it home with me is we have got to invest in our in our in our quality of life issues. We have to invest in our communities for us to grow and be vibrant. Because it, when we start, when it's comfortable just to start driving 50 miles to go out to eat or to have entertainment or to retail. Um, or to go grocery shopping, then what is there left here for us? And that's the impact that, that I hope in my time as a commissioner, I can have influence on. And that's really what propels me to want to continue to, to, to serve in this capacity. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for both of you guys being on. I'm not sure if you've ever been on a podcast before, but I, this was probably one of my favorite conversations yet. And we've had some good ones. So I really appreciate you guys coming in. Hey guys, thanks for listening. For more information on today's topic, check out the show notes below or email us at rootsandgraffiti at jaspercountyin.com.